Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about fame. Nathan, what is fame and why do we care? Fame is when people know you. And I care. <laughs> but why? Because it's cool. Hey. <laughs> I swear, if you do this one more time, I'm just going to stop throwing questions your way. I can talk. We know this. I don't have to bring you in. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but... on a more serious note, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the reason why we care about fame is. Depending on how famous or infamous your party slash characters are, different things may or may not happen to them. I mean, yeah, but there's honestly more to it than just that. So fame is something that, you know, historically speaking, has become or has been a goal in and of itself to do things specifically for the purpose of becoming, you know, known for your skills and achievements or what have you. So in D&D, this is a world where your character's kind of whole shtick is going around and accomplishing notable deeds. And fame, you know, or potentially infamy even, is something that kind of is a part of D&D, but not exactly very explicitly. So given how, you know, potentially relevant this can be, I'm just curious, Nathan, how much information in the books do you think there is discussing fame? Uh, some, like uh, two pages. Yeah, honestly, that's just about right. So one thing that I do want to just be clear about just in terms of language Renown is another word that is often used to kind of you know discuss the same thing as fame. However, renown is something that has a specific different definition in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. Renown is your place within an organization. And there are actually mechanics for renown in an organization, like you know, a guild or some such for that. Fame, though, is what we want to think about today. How well known are your player characters? So in the books, it is actually pretty minuscule. Like it is technically about two pages of information, but most of it is kind of just talking about power levels and not quite as much about the actual considerations of fame. So fifth edition is split up into four tiers of play. Uh, We actually did talk about this a bit recently in the demographics episode too, but it is more relevant here in terms of just what adventurers are able to accomplish. So level one to four, they're considered to be local heroes. Five to 10, heroes of the realm. uh, 11 to 16, masters of the realm. And then 17 to 20, masters of the world. And it does mention that, yeah, you know, you fight stronger things and it lists examples in the Dungeon Master's Guide about, you know, what you might run into. But it doesn't really talk about what it actually means 
to be famous as you travel. So, how, Nathan, how might a character actually being known for their deeds affect a Dungeons and Dragons game? I mean, we have a prime example with uh, our yes, good friend Gorif on the show, right? He is very well known among the people. <laughs> he may not be yeah. well known for the right reasons, but he is well known. And the thing is that this really plays in, into a lot of situations because it's really, really fun to figure out, okay, how much does this person actually know about Gorif and his stuff? And generally speaking, it's a bit more likely than not due to the exact nature of uh, Gorif's crimes, which, to be honest, would be amazing uh, to have, like, you know, tabloids on that. <laughs> but um, uh, it's, it's a thing that, it really plays into the character and creates moments such as um for example uh, in the recent episode that's a merchant selling uh, like sparkling water and effervescent water effervescent water yes and um <laughs> there is the that uh, he he fills a check to figure out who Gorif is and I basically took the opposite of what Gorif is actually famous for and flipped it on its head so you can create these kinds of moments which wouldn't exist if you didn't have that concept of people knowing your characters from from hearsay, right? Exactly. And that is one aspect that I do really want to focus on here, which is being recognized. This is something that is extraordinarily rare in most Dungeons and Dragons because for the most part, like even if you do play like a long campaign and you have, you know, so many achievements under your character's belts, it's actually not very commonly utilized by dungeon masters to just have them be recognized like, you know, holy shit, you know, you're, you know, the adventurer who took out the big dragon that was attacking the capital. That's amazing. Like tales of your deeds will be told by bards for generations to come. Like, can I buy you a drink? Just like Famous people get free shit a lot. Like, that's just kind of what happens when you are a particularly well-known individual. Like, to just have the tales of their deeds, like, be spread far and wide for them to be recognizable, for them to have fans. Like, that is a part of how celebrity works. But in D&D... Like, even when you do get to the point where the player characters have, like, done all of these things, helped out, like, multiple cities and maybe even, like, saved nobles or royals at that point in the game, like, that just isn't something that I see often, which is honestly slightly unusual because, again, the whole idea here is that they're doing all of these deeds and therefore ought to be more recognizable. So honestly, the goal of this episode is to just get you dungeon masters at home and honestly players, you can poke your DMs about this, to think about how fame works in your world. And one thing that I should also mention, of course, there is absolutely the spotlight on the player characters, but there should also be that consideration of other individuals in the world to think about who are the famous 
people in your world who are like the current like best adventurers in the world that are the ones who like oh yeah of course like everybody knows their names like you know there's like the most famous bard in the world the one who like not even the king has enough gold to hire because they're just so you know powerful magically and so talented that it brings tears to the eyes just to witness their beauty or you know however you want to interpret you know is stupidly high charisma but uh it's worth thinking about like who are the most famous people in the world like is it you know adventurers are kind of like the celebrities of the world because they're going around and dealing with all of these huge problems are there non-adventurer celebrities in your world like are there just like amazing singers like they're they're not bards they're not magically trained at all they're just really fucking good at singing like are there you know uh operas plays like what is like the source of fame in your world what are the sources of entertainment honestly in your world is something worth consideration as well to just think about the world is a full lived in place and thinking about the famous individuals is one way to kind of put some meat on the bones of your world. It is a way to think about the culture and the influence of various places. Are there like styles of music in the different places that, you know, has this one person, you know, be particularly famous for like, or again, just to backtrack a bit, even if you do decide to just focus on adventuring life, that works. Because, okay, let me put it this way. Nathan, have you ever heard the name Hercules? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yes, I have. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, a set of myths that was just from, you know, a, you know, very small, not super populated country, literally thousands of years ago. And yet now... Even in our world of a massive population with massive amounts of entertainment, we know the name Hercules. We are able to read like the legends of like the you know trials of Hercules and just all of the things that he has fought. You know, there's been movies, TV shows, you know, many, many other books. And this is a world without magic where this is just a compelling story. In a world where that shit actually exists and you could actually have like a demigod adventurer who is just this like massively famous character in the world that influences the world like is there going to be the kind of like children grow up and like you know I want to be like Gorf Ramnaheim when I grow up. I hope a child never says those words, but it's possible. <laughs> that sounds like somebody just walking in the streets and then you just hear a child saying, I want to be like Hitler. <laughs> <sighs> well, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, but you get my point, though. Like, in a world where there are dragons to slay, you know, beholders to kill, like, that's the kind of stuff that gets told about. Because, like, like we talk about in the demographics episode, even in a way higher magic world where everyone has the potential to be an adventurer, most people don't. For the very, very simple reason, doing that shit is dangerous and there is a very good chance you'll die. Even if it is, you know, with the action economy of D&D, if you have, like, you know, 50 guys with bows to fight a dragon, yeah, they're probably going to be able to take it out. 
but if the dragon can just get close enough to use you know fire breath once at least half of them are probably gonna die pretty much instantly if not more and so most people are perfectly willing to stay at home and ply a trade just as long as there are enough adventurers out there in the world to deal with those kinds of situations and there would be respect involved for the people who are able to complete such tasks so thinking about how to do that like this is where i actually do like using just the tiers of play in the dungeon master's guide so those four categories that i mentioned really do just sum it up nicely local heroes heroes of the realm masters of the realm masters of the world like that honestly does kind of sum it up nicely like you when you are just a low level hero you know that is the time where you might deal with you know orcs have taken over a mine or you know wolves might be troubling some small village somewhere but when player characters are able to deal with those kinds of situations then that's cool and even besides just like the gold reward to the quest something that i really don't see a lot is if player characters go back to that place like why wouldn't there be a situation of just like you know oh you know we're so happy to have you back uh you know your first night at the inn here is free you know your food uh you still got to pay for your drinks but your but the room and your food is for is on me thank you so much for what you've done for us like we would have died if not for your courage like thankful people who are directly saved by the actions of the player characters is a reward in its own right just because player characters you know got the gold reward doesn't mean that you as a dm should not consider and use the human factor as well as a reward for the characters and that's also the kind of thing that would stick with your players themselves not just the characters because getting told directly like even if it's just by an npc from a dm just a human who is told you did good thank you that feels nice and it is remarkable to me how little that is actually done in DD for just player characters to just get thanked like it's okay you have done the job here's your pay bye but actual heartfelt thank you is remarkably rare and i find that to be unfortunate on the other hand you also have potential actions like those of gora from of the riftwake podcast he is chaotic to put it mildly and he has done quite a number of actions that have spread the word about him like you mentioned the uh, water salesman a moment ago but he is an infamous individual in the local area and it's actually also kind of interesting just that you nathan have followed the tier pattern without even realizing it because <laughs> gorif is uh i don't remember offhand eighth or ninth level character i think ninth level which puts him in the heroes of the realm tier and that also is again realm so that is the time then where okay it's not just the local villages and cities but that word of his deeds have spread around the nearby area so even when you're not in a city travelers might have heard some of the stories about him for good or ill potentially 
So you yourself, Nathan, have actually been following like the established pattern of infamy for Gorif unintentionally. <laughs> but that's just kind of funny. <laughs> Right. And it just goes to show that like having these four tiers are actually pretty well divided in terms of just how much time adventurers are given to just do stuff. And this is honestly one of the downsides to me of starting a game at higher level is that you don't have the time to build that kind of history. And this is actually an one area where you can and I would recommend even to use something like the Heroic Chronicle that we talked about on Tuesday's episode, where you can build a deeper background. And doing something like that for a game where you start at higher level can really help balance out that type of situation. If you have a game where everyone starts at like, you know, fifth level, eighth level, what have you, then if you just start the game, even with a regular background, you're not going to usually have like any kind of list of accomplishments. But if you make an extended backstory, even if it's just with a couple of extra bullet list, then you can actually do just build that little bit of extra infamy or fame into that character's backstory. Like to have each player character just come up with, say, two things that the party has done in the past. And then if you've got, you know, a party of four, that gives you eight things that you as the dungeon master can pull from as just like something exceptional that the party has done. So whether that could be something along the lines of, uh, you know, a desert city was built on what turned out to be the breeding ground of bullets. And so there is just a massive number of just baby bullets causing chaos in this desert city that your adventurers dealt with in the past. Like, okay, so you don't need to worry about any kind of big combat encounter. This is the kind of thing that just like, that's just a kind of cool story. Like, and that's the kind of thing where like, maybe you're in some other desert city, just like across that desert. And that story has spread because that's a kind of neat thing. And then you also just have that situation once again of like, okay, maybe you have a bard in your party. And they could be the one who is spreading the tales themselves of what the player characters have done in the past, whether that is like a factual you know, uh, version of events, or if they do go the more embellished version of like, you know, oh, you know, the townsfolk were just days from starvation and we, you know, charged in and dealt with the bullets, armor gleaming under the bright desert sun. And just like, if you have one of the, you know, role player type of characters also just in your party and like uh, as a player character or as a player, I mean to say, then giving them that chance to just kind of go off on a story and not worry so much about the combat and kind of don't worry so much about like the actual rules of how they might have done a thing, because maybe they're just exaggerating to just let them go off on a story at some random bar is a fun thing. Like it could be a fun thing to just establish your reputation, establish just the kind of storyteller that this character is, and to just let that player go off on the thing that they enjoy. Win, win, win. So exactly how you want to use the idea of fame, though, is something that definitely does not have one answer, because as we just know from our world, that 
fame is something that can have a lot of pros and cons and can honestly take a lot of different forms. So Nathan, how might you consider like some of the pros and cons of fame for D&D? So one of the major pros of fame is that people recognize your party and it feels more like realistic. And however, there, there are negatives to it. Um, I, the one that comes to mind right now is that if you're using fame in your game, right, uh, there might be instances where perhaps um, where you could, where you might want uh, to be a bit more trouble or more difficulty at spots. Wait, actually, that doesn't work. Huh. I, I can't really think of anything, actually, when it comes to the negatives. What, really? What's your thoughts on, like, like in using fame? I, I don't see any, like, negatives when it comes to it. I mean, think about, like, just the bad things that can happen to celebrities. Like, okay, first one that comes to mind, stalkers. Imagine that, you know, you are these famous, powerful people. Like, can you imagine? Like, okay, so very often, like, player characters will, like, you know, be slightly creepy and ask the question, like, you know, is the tavern wench, you know, young and attractive? And then, like, you, they try to, you know, seduce her upstairs, like, sometimes for the free meal, sometimes just for the extra notch on their bedpost. That's just a thing that happens a lot in D&D. However, how potentially interesting a story beat could you as a DM pull if the next time that that party goes to that town, that woman is visibly pregnant? <laughs> I think that's a cool thing. It's, and yet, it's a part I of the almost game. never see that oddly. Like you, or you never have the situation of like they have a child. You know, uh, you know, a year might pass in game time, and they have a baby, and they might just say that the child is the adventurers. Like, how do you prove or disprove that kind of situation? Does your D and D world have like some kind of magical paternity test? Is is that even is that a thing? So or is it the kind of situation like is your player character like just going to kind of go on faith or just like a single insight check potentially that may or may not go well to try to figure out if you know they're telling the truth and then like is that the kind of thing where like are there alimony laws in your D&D world? Like is it the kind of thing where they're like supposed to set up like a nest egg or a trust fund or some such? Like or do they just like run off in the night and like it may or may not actually be their child and they may like, just not be willing to acknowledge that responsibility. I think it's just like when when it comes to fame it's just more ways that you can interact with the world than have to play it like affect the world. Absolutely. And like, that's why it's worth considering how you want to use fame in your world. Because like, like going back to the stalker idea, like that doesn't actually have to be a bad thing, because it could also just mean dedicated fans. Because one thing that is like joked about a lot of the time in D&D is how carrying capacity is you know kind of silly if you think about like how much how many many weapons a fighter can potentially be carrying on their person like even before they get a bag of holding but if you are at the point of just being anywhere past that first tier really and, and even possibly there depending on you know how active you know your party is about you know the word getting spread on their deeds like you might have hangers on like you might have people who are just willing to just travel along with you guys 
who are willing to just like, you know, carry the torch for you guys, who is willing to just, you know, carry your pack or, you know, help take care of the horses so you don't have to. Like, there's a lot of just like minutia tasks that adventurers just may not want to deal with. So having retainers, like having people who are there to help out, who are not there to help you in combat, because, you know, hirelings is a whole separate category that we'll also go into way more at some point in the future. But to consider, okay, having there be people who just want to hang out with you because you're famous, and also as adventurer, very likely, you know, pretty wealthy as well. Like, how does that affect a player character? Like, how does it affect, like, do they start, like, having that consideration that so many real celebrities do of, like, okay, how many of the people that are my friends are my friends just because I'm famous or because I'm rich? And how many of them actually like me for me? Like, to take an actual hard look at, like, the failings and downsides of celebrity is something that you can choose to look at. On the other hand, of course, Dungeons and Dragons is, for the most part, just an escapist fantasy. So if you don't want to like think about the potential downsides of the adventuring lifestyle, then don't. Again, as always, anything that we're talking about is something that you can just choose to use or not use or to use with your own twist or interpretation. Like that's the beauty of D&D is that there is an infinite number of ways that you can choose to do anything. But to consider that there are going to be tales spread about your heroes. So let me actually go back now to player characters specifically and just how fame is something that can influence the game. So how recognizable are your player characters at various stages in the game? There are going to be times where player characters are trying to do something discreetly or stealthily. Like if they do go into some like rich party with like fake papers potentially that like says that they're someone else, but you know, someone looks at them and like, Gorf Rumnaheim, I've always wanted to meet you. Like, I really hate, you know, the Warden of Dren. So I love what you did with the prison there. That was just hilarious. Like, let me buy you a drink. I think that you and I will be good friends. Like, that could definitely fuck up a plan if you're trying to go somewhere stealthily and you're recognizable. So consider that type of thing. So again, there are potentially pros and cons to being famous. Like, are there going to be, you know, people who are just kind of going after them because of them being famous and rich are there you know uh like okay let's say that you have a particularly skilled fighter in the party like do you have like maybe like you have an npc guard who just actually has a good relationship with the party and like maybe they want to become better than they are because as we talked about in the guards episode uh they they're not great so having there be this guard who wants to do better in life like maybe he does become like the squire to your fighter and then as you know you grow in power like a lot of his downtime might be talking to this you know former guard now who's trying to you know train them up to the point where okay like maybe it is through that type of apprenticeship that they can kind of graduate from like a guard to a fighter proper and to actually have like people be influenced by the actions of the party 
And that is the best way to play Dungeons and Dragons, in my opinion, because as much as a DM may want to tell a story, it is the actions of the player characters who actually help shape the direction of the world that you've built. So considering exactly how to influence as well as reward your players for their influence and actions is something that is worth consideration. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars those a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we will chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, on Reddit, on subreddit r slash Riffwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.